We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 105. Scott, I just landed back home on a red eye from the West Coast. It is 7 o'clock in the morning. My brain is functioning at about 15% right now. So I'm going to be leaning on you a lot in this episode. I'm good, man. I saw your uh, your little Undertaker gift that you sent me this morning on Twitter. It was pretty appropriate for uh, for what you what you sound like you feel like. 
from the the red eye flight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I'm ready to go. So I'm glad you uh, you had a safe flight. Red eyes are brutal. They're they're not fun. And and then doing a podcast at the end of it, you know, my, my, I'm tipping my cap to you right now. Well, I landed at 5:45 in the morning and I had a little bit of burst of energy, so I figured I'd tweet you, wake your ass up. Had it had we done the podcast at that very moment while I was sitting on the tarmac at the airport, maybe I would have had some energy. But I feel like I'm fading quickly, and this coffee is yet to kick in. Yeah, that's all right. You, I definitely did not wake up with those tweets. I don't know about you, but I def, I have a uh, a mode on my phone where I don't hear anything until I want to hear things. <laughs> yeah, I usually go airplane mode. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, I'm glad you're back. It's good. This is uh, this is this is we've got a lot to talk about, Mister Mister McCann. We do indeed. Um, this was something that uh, was a long time coming, it seemed. Uh, yep. When did we start talking about if the Yankees would trade McCann? Back in August, was it? It was probably around the trade deadline, just because it was appropriate. Another guy being traded. But yeah, it was, it was, it's been a while. Yeah, so four or five months later, the Yankees do actually pull the trigger and trade McCann to the Houston Astros. For Albert Abreu and Jorge Guzman, I'm not even going to pretend to know who those players were. Abreu was actually ranked in the Astros system, number seven in their system. Guzman was not. They're both really young, have not even made it past uh, single-A squads. Um, So this, to me, was mainly a salary dump, which last week you and I talked about. It seems like the Yankees are going one of two routes with McCann, either a salary dump or they're going to have to eat a big portion of the money and maybe they'll get a prospect back. Doesn't really seem like they ate that much. I mean, five and a half million a year is a good amount, but they didn't really get anybody in return. So to me, it's just a remaining salary dump as much as they could. It's really just, it's more along what Cashman's been doing over the past, you know, year, year and a half and just creating more of a farm system of depth. And, and you're right. They, they got rid of the contract they're eating five and a half million per year, which honestly is pretty good. I thought I didn't I didn't think they were going to get that much. I mean, we talked about half uh, as as kind of a you know a bar a precedent for that for what the, we thought they were going to have to eat. But you know, Cashman did a good job. He got some uh, a couple pitchers in return, two guys that throw hard that have some potential. You know how we like to talk about stuff. Mm. There's uh there's definitely some stuff potential in uh, in these guys. Um, I and mean, we could talk about a little bit. But Guzman is. The, the guy that's not ranked in their system, I think he was ranked in the 20s, so that's not even considered ranked in the, in the uh, Astro system. But this dude throws 101, 103 miles per hour. He, he's, he's right in that, in that uh, Araldus Chapman range of, of fastball. So if this kid were ever to make the bigs, and that's a big if because he'd have to definitely harness that control. Uh, we have a, a guy who throws, you know, throws fireballs. So that's, so that's, that's to think a about. red flag city. You throw 101 miles an hour and you can't even get crack at top 10 for a single team's prospect list. Yeah, there's, <laughs> like, <come laughs> there's on. a couple of things you got to read. I don't know why you got to bring up the negative. Why do you always have to bring up the negative? He's 20 oh, years old. It like it, like it is. I mean, well, to me, that this, does, <laughs> this is what I'm going to call If it. he throws 101 miles an hour, he probably walks everywhere. Probably Hideki Arabo 2.0. Yeah, but he's 20 years old. He's a 20 year old kid who hasn't, grown into his body yet got this ridiculous whip action on his on his arm and can just sling it so he's got natural uh, velocity coming out of his hand you know we'll harness the control the control will come <laughs> all right before we start calling this guy the next nathan avaldi <laughs> let's focus on what this trade really is and that is they just wanted brian mccann off the roster or maybe brian mccann himself wanted off the roster because you were just telling me before we started recording 
about that interview he did with Francesa. Um, I don't know if you want to sort of recap that for people because I, I, I haven't really had a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah, first of all, I don't know why you got to bring up Nathan Navaldi this early in the show. That was, that was a low blow. Um, You're lucky I can remember names with how I'm functioning. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so he did. He went on uh, WFAN and was with Francesa yesterday. And basically he was, you know, he was going through the reasons why he was, why he was leaving, why he waived the no trade. And, I mean, the, the bottom line of what McCann was saying is that, hey, I, I still want to catch. I, I still want to be a starting catcher. He, it was a quote, it was, I, I still want to catch every day. He's 32 years old. He'd like to finish the contract out behind the plate and then go from there. That was his quote. So, and you, you know, and I that's, talked about that because yeah, of that vesting, that vesting option. option. The yeah. vesting option says he's got to get X amount. I forget how many games 90, it is. But it's a, 90 games. 90 games behind the plate. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So in order for that, that, that third year to vest. And, you know, he obviously wants a shot at that. And, and he made that apparent. So well, Of course, who wouldn't? Yeah, so this is, um, you know, the writing was on the wall, obviously, with Gary Sanchez, with, uh, with El Crack, and I'm, I'm rocking the shirt this morning. And he, you know, he needed to leave. <laughs> 32 years old, he knows he's, he's, he's probably not going to get another big contract. So that third year is more significant than he would get anywhere on the open market. So he's got to catch. Yeah, so that, that, that's true. I mean, that's one year at $15 million he could make. But if he really dedicated himself to becoming an American League DH... And if he could hit a consistent 25 homers in the American League, he would get 12, 13, 14 million a year. That's what the going rate for these guys is. Look at uh, Morales. He just signed a $33 million deal with the Blue Jays. Yeah, no doubt. But I guess the thing with McCann is maybe he sees more of a sense of urgency that his body, you know, has the, he's a bigger dude. I mean, those knees aren't going to hold up for a long time. Uh, so I don't know how many years he has as a DH, even if he were to switch that. He's got a lot of mileage on those on those legs hey, as a catcher. David so. Ortiz was probably 62 years old this year because, you know, that birth certificate isn't real. And he was still cranking 30 homers a year. No, that's true. He had no ankles. He was uh, – that dude was – he was he was on, uh, on just bone. So it's possible. I just – you know, I think McCann likes the fact that he has an option now for that, you know, no matter what. That's, that's the biggest thing. I think when you're looking at uh, an aging catcher – with uh you know with with potential for dh power he's you know he's he's just looking at that third year as as a guaranteed money if he can if he can catch uh these next these next couple of years so so next year we're kind of uh running with the narrative that maybe he went to cashman and said you better trade me because i want a chance to catch i don't know if that's actually true but we do have to give mccann credit for last year handling gary sanchez taking the world by storm very well. I thought he handled that as well as a veteran catcher of McCann's caliber could. Yeah, he was a professional. I mean, that's you really wouldn't expect anything anything less from him just from his track record and and that's something that we've talked about and you know, I think that was one of the the big the big themes about McCann possibly being on the 2017 Yankees is that this guy is a professional. He he does his job. He does his job well. You know, whatever that role is, it seems like if he were on the team at that point, that he would slot in and and just kind of be a team guy and do what he do what he needs to do to to help the team succeed. So, um, I, I think that's just a testament to who he is. And uh, you know, if he were to go in and say, "Hey, I want to trade," I don't think it was like a, a force. Maybe it was. Maybe McCann stormed in there in his catcher's gear and was like, "Trade me now. I'm yeah. not staying here." It, that. He looked like that sounds th- better. Went in there looking like a thumb and just did, pounded his fists on his table, yeah. demanding a trade. Yeah. But he's going to the Astros. The Astros probably have a better chance at winning the World Series next year than the Yankees. They're a young team. They kind of had a down year last year, but I I feel like that also had something to do with it. 
Oh, no doubt. I mean, you're going to a really good, a really good uh, place to be. Obviously, I mean, with the amount of talent that they have, young talent. I mean, they got that kid from from Cuba who came at the end of the year, um, and then Uleski, they have Uleski. Yeah, and then they have Bregman who came up at the end of the year, who's going to be a, a starter next year. Oh, they let's have not a... forget about Altuve, the uh, MVP caliber second baseman. And oh, I'm just Correa, talking about the I'm just talking caliber. about the late additions. I'm just talking yeah. about the late additions to their already stacked young roster. Yeah, that, I mean that is got to be one of the best position player young core in baseball. Yeah, I mean, and if you can get a, a Dallas Keuchel to come back and be, you know, remotely what he was two years ago, three years ago. Um, you have some some depth there. I mean, there, are, there there's not anybody after him. What's his name? McClure's? Is that his name? I don't uh, remember the the second the number two guy. Yeah, something like that. Something around. Did that. they sign Reddick too? Did I see that? Yeah, they did. They signed Reddick as well. That's another veteran guy who's good, man. He's just a he's just a dependable uh, he's just a, a dependable bat and a dependable uh, guy in the outfield who, who can slot in pretty and much I anywhere in the outfield. They were a very right-handed heavy lineup. If you think about all their good players, Correa, Altuve, um, yeah. Uleski, Guerrero is right-handed player. Bregman's a right-handed player. So they had Reddick and McCann who are left-handed hitters. That really does balance the lineup. Yeah. And Reddick's just one of those guys. He just seems like he's a, a, a perfect role player on any team who's ready to compete. Uh, he, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, kind of a gritty guy. Um, I like that move for them. It's 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 scary. If their pitching can rebound, uh, then that is a, a definite scary team coming out of the uh, the central. Especially if Giles is able to regain what he did in Philly and actually become that guy. That's a scary. It's a scary pitching staff. So we know. Okay, so it was a good move for Houston. I think everyone's in agreement. What does it mean for the Yankees though? They now have a big gaping hole at the DH spot, and they're going to have to fill it. And I actually think that. Even though there was a money dump with McCann, I could see them going out and signing a free agent for that DH spot. Yeah, and this is this is why it's so puzzling what's going on right now as far as the uh, their their strategy for this offseason. Because I'm I really am puzzled because I do believe. I mean, you, you listen to all the rumors and may, and I know there are rumors and they're just floating the Yankees' name out there because they're talking to people. And why shouldn't they? Cashman should talk to everybody and just see what's going on. Should put some feelers out. But if they are to go in and get a, you know an, an, an Encarnacion or um, you know they've been talking about Cespedes rumors have been flying around a guy like that I mean you're blowing your 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 luxury tax uh, quota that number out of the water so the the salary dump I mean yes you're you're trading dollars for dollars at some point but it doesn't affect the the tax so uh, implications if if they do out they do go out and sign Encarnacion or Mark Trumbo or Cespedes or someone like that who's going to cost you. 15 to 20 million per year times it by four to six years, depending on who yeah. you sign, mm-hmm. then I would, I would say that lends credence to the theory that McCann demanded a trade. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. I because guess. there, if, if Cashman really was just trying to reduce payroll, then there's no way he would go out and sign Encarnacion. He's going to be cost you over a hundred million dollars. He turned down an $80 million offer from the blue Jays. So, you know, he's looking for a hundred plus, um, maybe they go shorter and cheaper term with a guy like bringing Billy Butler back, or I know there's Mike Napoli rumors, which both of those options seem pretty crappy to me, but you never know. Yeah, it's interesting because they they really do have a, a pretty significant hole right now in that in that spot, and I know people are talking about how they can potentially just float guys around, but I don't know with young guys, 
that's dangerous to me when you're floating a young guy around and and you know he's going in at first or he's going in a catcher then he's flipping into DH and you're constantly doing that and DH is a revolving door of young guys that's that's playing with fire to me because you're you're running into um, you know the the troubles where young guys really really do have to get into a, a routine to to get their footings in what the in the young bigs. guys what young guys would even other than Sanchez who will have some DH time because he's a catcher and they're gonna get him some rest where they can. Other than Sanchez, what young guy would be rotating in? It would mainly just end up being Starlin Castro, Didi, and Headley is who he would rotate in at, at the DH spot. He wouldn't do Greg Bird or Aaron Judge. Those guys would either play their position or sit on the bench. You have Bird. You have um, Bird. Bird's a, look. Bird's coming back from an injury. You don't think they're going to try to protect him? Uh, you know, on on some of these some of these days, I guarantee they're going to try to protect him because they know first base. I would I would argue batting four times is tougher on the shoulder than playing first base. They they know that they're gonna they have him and then they have um, they have other first base depth too. They're gonna try to rotate some of these guys in unless there's a significant dude that they bring in and that's that's spending money. Billy Butler, I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I don't see Cashman going out there and, and selling that one to the fan base. <laughs> I don't see it happening. <laughs> Country breakfast doesn't get you get your blood flowing. I do like his nickname though. It's it's so it's perfect for the Bronx because it's so ironic. What about Napoli? Would you want? Uh, nah, man, Napoli's? I don't want any. I want nothing to do with Napoli. Please, he's he he. I can't think of him as anything else but his shirt off in Boston. Think I about just, how ugly he looks with a beard. Imagine him without a beard. Yeah, he's a hideous monster. I don't want this guy on our team. No, no, do not do not bring him in on the team. He uh, he's gonna want. So if you look at his production, compare it with Kendry Morales last year. They pretty much put up the same numbers, same RBI total, same OPS, same roughly same homers. I think. Morales hit like five more homers than Napoli. Morales just signed for three years and $33 million. Don't you think Napoli's agent is going to use Morales as a baseline for Napoli? Yeah, there's why no wouldn't way, he? There's no way the, I would think Cashman would say would give Napoli anything more than a one-year deal, but I would assume he's going to want that. So I don't I, – I just – I mean, to me, that's even worse than signing like Encarnacion or somebody. At least Encarnacion will be one of the best power hitters in the league next year. Yeah, and you know you're looking at uh, Napoli had a good year, right? He had he had a a much better year because he was awful when he was with yeah. Texas. Yeah, I don't know if um, you heard, but uh, the broadcasters in the postseason said he had jaw surgery roughly one trillion times. <laughs> well, this is a guy who's going to capitalize. He's going to try to capitalize on this. I don't know how old he is. He's got to be in his his like early thirty four. Right? He's thirty four, mid thirties. Okay, Morales so he's got one more 30, contract. Morales is thirty three. Exactly. He's got one more contract. He's gonna. I would say he is gonna ask like two years, twenty-two million bucks, which would be the same yearly rate as Morales, just one year less. Well, that's a guy that we need to stay away from then, because that's uh, that's that's not who I want to give any of that money to. <laughs> At least Billy Butler, you could get for like one year, five mil, especially because he's already making, I think, nine million from the the Athletics next year. See the thing when you're looking at those types, when you're looking at these types of guys and these types of contracts, just keep McCann. Like that's that's unless McCann was actually uh, that's saying that. Think that yeah. we're kind of figuring out McCann may may have had some say in this. Well, he had we to think. have. If these are the guys we're looking at, and and he's and and Cashman's actually not going to go. I mean, you're looking look at both ways. Both ways says I want out uh, of New York because if you go for the big if you go for the big guy and spend the money, then the money wasn't the problem. That wasn't the issue. So then, what was the issue? Well, that's McCann. If you look at the other way. 
then if the Yankees are looking at a Billy Butler or a Kendry Morales or anybody in that level, then you're, you're getting the same player for roughly the same amount of money. So again, the money is not the issue. The, the, the common denominator here is McCann saying, hey, I want to catch and I want, to, I want options at that third, on that third year. So and yeah, I don't, I, it was all McCann, all McCann. Um, what about a Carlos Beltran reunion? That's where I think the door is opening up very wide. I think it just makes a lot of sense, actually. I think he's perfect right now for what the situation is going to be. He would be the full-time DH. He's a guy that we know can hit in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he's a professional hitter. We've heard all the young guys talking about how Beltran was you know, a good role model, worked with him, worked with them on their routines, on, on the way that they took batting practice, uh, their approach, all these things. He's a really good guy for, for the clubhouse. Uh, and I think the Yankees do need, you know, a couple of those guys that can really help bolster and teach these young guys how to play, how to play ball on, on an everyday level. So I think the door is wide open for Beltron right now. So here's where I think Beltron makes the most sense because he's only going to want one year. So right. even if you pay him 15 million bucks, which is what he made last year for one year and he sucks, at least you can say whatever. It's just this year and then we can move on. Uh, but if he's good, he'll play 135, 140 games at DH, and, and then you can rotate for the other 20-something games, you know, Gary Sanchez and whoever else you want. But the thing about the thing about Beltron is that you pretty much know he's not going to suck. If he's, uh, if he's well, injured... Well, he sucked if, two years ago. He sucked well, two years ago. His, I think a lot of that had to do with injury. I think a lot of that he's had to do with He's 39 years old who says he doesn't get another shoulder injury or an oblique injury or knee no, injury. I mean, the I dude get is it. a walking... He's a walking cripple. I, I mean, look at him. I know he's not going to be playing the outfield, but he couldn't move last year. I mean, that's a that's a little far. He he actually stayed pretty healthy. <laughs> but the the thing about him is that yes, he's not going to be playing the outfield. He's going to be at the DH spot. If he's healthy and in the lineup, he's going to hit. He's not going to be a guy who's just not going to hit because that's not what Carlos Beltran does. If he, he's going to hit, if his numbers last year look good overall when you figure that he was tremendous with the Yankees. But if you just take his Texas numbers, they were bad. So if he produces at his Texas level next year for the Yankees, that's not worth it. You can get that from anybody on the bench. Let me ask you this. Hit like 250. What about, would you be happy bringing back Carlos Beltran and, and call it a success if he had a very good first half of the year and then started trailing in the second half, as most aging players do. But then at that point, you have... Uh, at least more options, but he gets you through the Yankees in through the DH spot in the first half guns blazing. Yeah. I mean, if he reproduces what he did for the Yankees in the first half of next year, and then do, is his Texas self in the second half, you can yeah. kind of, um, you can live with that, I guess, because you can you almost can filter project in that, guys. Right? Yeah. I mean, he probably will slow down. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, do you think that's though he'll guys want, do? <laughs> I mean, Beltron, he's going to be getting offers from only AL teams at this point. Right. The Red Sox are rumored to be interested in him. If he's, say, deciding between the Yankees and the Red Sox, why would he go to the Yankees? The Red Sox have a much better chance at winning the World Series next year. It just depends on what his priorities are and what he wants to do. I mean, he's been to New York. He's played in New York. He's always kind of put the Yankees on on a pedestal. He's always wanted to play for the Yankees. He's He's been very vocal about that. Um, it seems like he liked his time when he was with uh, – with uh, with the team last year and the year before, so you know this is a this is a known quantity. He knows but, what he's getting when he goes to New York, and he's gonna he has one year left. So, do you really want to start off in a new place again for your last year? I don't know. The the clubhouse has changed. We we've said this a million times. Remember that article we read from Andrew Marchand, who said Aaron Judge took over the the music duties in the clubhouse, and after A Rod and Beltron left, the the clubhouse had a youthful 
yeah. energy in it. So you're gonna bring back old man Beltron and he's a Damn dinosaur. Right. No, you want that. I mean, if I'm an old guy playing in the major leagues and I got I one more that. year and I know it, yeah, oh yeah, I wanna be I wanna be I wanna be put in a situation that is is fused well, maybe with youth Beltron and, and wants excitement that. and fun. Maybe Beltron wants that, but if you're Brian Cashman assessing what your team needs, maybe a guy like uh Country Bumpkin is better. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's young. You're right. He's he's a young guy. Yeah, but he's kind of like he's a jackass. Look, so he you, might, here, I'm he going to give you a in. perfect example of of why you bring the old guy in. Look what Joe Ross did, or Joe Ross is that his name? The uh, the catcher in the Cubs. Look what look what he did with with those young guys and how those young guys attached to him. It's not David Joe, Ross. David it's Ross. Not Joe Ross. I knew <laughs> it wasn't Joe Ross, but I could not think of his name. It's too damn early to remember you, all these no, names. No, you have no excuse. I slept yes. zero hours last night because just, just because you didn't sleep doesn't listen, mean I don't have an excuse. Listen, I was in the last row on a red-eye plane, and the woman sitting next to me was dying laughing at that Ghostbusters movie. I could not sleep one minute. Is it? Have you seen it? Is it funny? No. It looks horrible. It can't horrible. be that bad. Yeah. It got horrible reviews. <laughs> um, say Trumbo leaves Baltimore. Beltron would be an attractive option for Baltimore. Again, I just don't think... He's got all the money in the world. He doesn't need money at this point. He's right, going to go if the situation he's assessing, that he wants. If he's assessing, I, I have one more year. I want to maximize my odds at winning a championship. Yeah, the Orioles are not going to win a, a championship. They got a better chance at winning. They made the playoffs last year. The Yankees didn't make the playoffs. Fine. They're not winning the World Series. But He knows that. But I would, I would say that they have a better chance next year than the Yankees. Maybe I guess, but th- they again, definitely do. They're he's an old guy who wants his he wants away better than the Yankees, and their bullpen is just as solid. I can't buy the Orioles as a contender because they've they just they're, they made I, the playoffs last year. They're just not a serious team, in my opinion. They're the Baltimore Orioles. You pouring some coffee or peeing? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> All right, um, Let's move on to some mailbag questions. Uh, got some mailbag questions about Brian McCann. This first one comes from Sebastian. He says, did we sell low on McCann? No. I don't think we did sell low. I think Cashman really was floating this around. He was talking to the Braves. He was talking to the, the Astros. He was talking to God knows who else. Uh, he, he knew the market. He found where he, you know, an area where he thought he could get McCann some some catching time because obviously that's what McCann wants because he wanted out of New York so badly to catch and he was able to take on some money so uh, I think it was a, a good deal for for Cashman yeah I, I mean I, I wouldn't say it's a great deal but I also wouldn't say that they got swindled um say Brian McCann goes out next year and has uh he could be very well be an all-star catcher for the Astros next year yeah absolutely he could say he's a all-star catcher next year is that our are, are Yankee fans going to be pissed? Are they going to say we got we got hijacked for for Brian McCann? Yes, <laughs> yes they are. They're gonna, Twitter will be crying about McCann being on the team as the DH, where everybody wanted to ship him out because it's Gary Sanchez's team. But yes, they will cry. Everybody will will complain and cry if he has a good year. But think about that lineup. He's going to have so much protection, you know, behind him and in front of him. It's very very possible that he has a a, a good year. I mean, that's a big ballpark, but. Yeah, don't a, you? I mean, his guy. splits at Yankee Stadium, he hits all of his home runs at home. Yeah, it's a – but he's going to get a lot more pitches to see. They're going to want to pitch to McCann over, over uh, you know, Altuve and, and uh, the pride of Connecticut and the number one prospect in baseball. And, like, they're going to – he's going to get pitches. Yeah. 
Um, you're probably right, and I, and I think he's probably because of the lineup around him, he will have a better offensive season than he did last year for the Yankees. I thought he was pretty bad for the Yankees last year. He, uh, I just feel like he failed in a lot of big spots, and and the shift kind of got to him. He he just kept grounding into the shift, and it was extremely frustrating. So I'm not sad to see McCann go. Is what I'm saying. Um. We got a mailbag from Judah asking about the DH spot now that McCann is gone. We, all, we already talked about that, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to Judah. Uh, so thank you for the mailbag. What do we have next? Real quick on the Judah one first. Uh, there, there is something I want to touch on uh, about this that I don't think Let's we actually it. talked about. Let's do it. So he, I'm going to read it just for, uh, for shits and giggles. He says, now that McCann is gone, should we use the DH spot to bring up one of the young bloods, or use it to rotate Sanchez and Romine? Um, and would you like to store one of the players like Bird who might not have starting defensive slot? So this is where I think it, this is where I think it, you can get in trouble. And, and I think the Yankees need to be careful. And it's, it's the rotating Sanchez into that DH spot and then having Romine as your catcher, your backup catcher plus. So Romine had a really good year last year. I, I really hope that people don't say, hey, Romine had a really good year. He could play more and could play significant more, significantly more behind the plate because I don't think that's his, 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 uh, his, his ceiling. I, I think his ceiling is exactly what we saw. I think if this guy starts getting more at-bats, he's going to get more exposed. And I think that because of – that was one of the big deals of keeping McCann was because he can rotate in that catcher spot. You're not giving up too much offensively. And, and then Sanchez can get some time off and, and put in that DH spot. What this is telling me is that Sanchez is going to be the everyday catcher. He's going to be the guy. He's not going to really rotate into that DH spot as much. And, uh, and then Romine's going to be a true backup. Because I think they're playing with fire if Romine's playing more often. Romine started 40 games at catcher last year. Yeah. That's a pretty good chunk. Yeah. I, why couldn't he do that again? I, he could. He could. So I, then you, I think we saw a have, ceiling, though. Again, I, I don't. I wouldn't expect the same numbers. But it, okay. But even if he's almost as good, I mean, he he's a backup catcher. You don't expect. Did you see our offense last Johnny year? Our Bench. offense was freaking terrible. <laughs> but you, you you put in a guy like Romine at the end of the lineup again, didn't he, didn't and we're going to be crying. One game. Didn't he back clean up one game? Yeah, and he did really well. I think. I think he had a, a big game. It was on the West Coast. He uh, this. I mean, look. Okay, let he me, came into big situations, but overall, you do not want Romine playing starting forty games. That's not an ideal situation. But if he if he starts forty games, that gives you hundred and twenty games remaining of Gary Sanchez catching, so he can catch hundred twenty and DH forty. Obviously, he's not going to play hundred and sixty games total. But even if he catches hundred and fifteen and DH is thirty five and he has ten off days, you, you you see what I'm saying? Where that I think is their plan. I don't think you can go into the se- into the season saying that Romine is going to get significant at bats. I just don't think that's a, a plan that you could really go in with confidence. Okay, but it's, if you to me, it's not especially in a lineup that is going to struggle. This lineup is going to be young and struggle. It's yeah. it's going to happen. And, when and you, you have know a guy who like else Romine, is going to struggle? I, I bet Gary Sanchez will go through some struggles next oh, year. Oh no doubt, play. no doubt. So, but if Romine could duplicate what he did last year, that would be a godsend because honestly, he had his best year. Nobody expected that. He came out of nowhere. Hit the ball like nobody thought he could, and I mean I think he ended the season still hitting like 250 or something. It was he definitely cooled off. But this is a guy who over his entire career has never hit. He's a defensive-minded catcher, and that's what he is. You start giving him significant at bats, you have a, a significant hole at the bottom of that lineup, and that is a problem with the young lineup, in my opinion. So I don't think Judah was saying that 
he wanted to rotate Romine in at DH. He wanted to rotate Romine in at, at catcher and Sanchez. No, I know. I understand that, but you're still giving and, Romine and the at-bat. That, that's fine because who? what's the alternative? I mean, you have you have Austin, who's another guy who's going to be rotating a lot. He's going to be a guy that they could slot in at, at DH as well. Bird's going to be sliding in at DH. And then whoever the hell they go out and get, they're going to get somebody else. They're going to go, go get another bat, whether it's yeah. a, they're going a to Billy get, Butler or, or a Encarnacion. It's going to be somebody. They're going There's to going get to be a, a warm guy, body there. Yeah, they're going to get a guy who is going to make this all a moot point. Yeah, Nick Johnson's coming back. I'll never forget my uncle went to see a Pawtucket Red Sox versus Columbus Clippers game, and Nick Johnson was uh, playing for the, the Clippers at that point. And my uncle talked about him hitting a ball off the right field wall, and he acted like he was going to be the next Don Mattingly. And that well, always that stuck was the talk. Me. That was the talk. He was going to be that guy because he, he was, was like, a great. He hit it up around his neck, and he hit it with top spin, and it went off yeah. the base of the wall at 150 miles an hour. All right. Exit Velo. Look at that. Talking about Exit Velo before it was Exit Velo. My uncle was ahead of the game on Exit Velo. Yeah. Um, all right, you're going to have to read this next one because it's a lot of words. <laughs> all right, this is from Robin Lett. He says, hey, guys, just read your thoughts on whether a trade for Trout make, would make sense. For me, including Gary Sanchez in a trade like in a trade for Mike Trout is a no-brainer. I love Gary Sanchez, but his major league career is only 50 games old. He has to prove himself over a large sample size. Trout is what we all hope Gary Sanchez can be as a hitter. Surely we want a 25-year-old guy who, 25-year-old who is and will continue to be one of the best players in the game, uh, has seen versus a player we can hope to measure up to him one day. So, it's an interesting point, and did I know you, you wrote my, this. Yeah, did I, you read my my blog on Friday? I did. So why don't you you go more into depth on on why you think uh, why you think this is this is something that's possible? So. Um, Sweeney Murdy, who I actually think is very good. He, he's uh, great on the, the radio uh, pre- and post-game for the Yankees. Kind of threw out there that he could see the Yankees taking all of their prospects. They have such a depth of prospects. Uh, probably the deepest farm system in the league now. Um, and flipping it for a major player like Mike Trout, he said. I wrote something talking about if it would make sense. Because I tweeted out what I thought would be a starting point for the trade. And I said... Frazier, Rutherford, one of the top starters like Sheffield or Caprellian, plus one of the infielders like Mateo or uh, Torres, and then maybe a major leaguer like uh, Rob Refsnyder or Tyler Austin. That might get a, the job done for Mike Trout. People killed me saying that would deplete the farm system and that would go off the, the plan of the Yankees. It would really deplete the farm system, but you're also getting back 25-year-old perennial MVP candidate in Mike Trout. It's not like you're trading for a 35-year-old. So that's why I think it does make sense to trade anyone in your minor league system for Mike Trout because he's that good and that young. I didn't put Gary Sanchez in the trade because I don't think Brian Cashman would put Gary Sanchez in the trade. Me personally, if I were Brian Cashman, I would trade Gary Sanchez for Mike Trout because, as Robin said, we hope that Gary Sanchez can turn into... At best, 75% of what Mike Trout is. And that would be a tremendous player. So, I mean, Trout is the best player in the game, and he's only 25 years old. I don't care who you're trading for him. I like that trade if I'm the Yankees. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. You know, I think the Yankee fans are so enamored by the farm system and having our own guys. And, I, and you, you know, from, I guess, this generation or this era, if you're, if you're looking at the most recent time that this actually happened and, and worked very well, or you're talking about the 96 
uh, championship, and then you know the dynasty that that led uh, that that was uh, that happened after that. And all those guys, or a lot of those guys, were were homegrown. And Yankee fans want that so badly that I think it's scary to trade all of these guys that we've heard so much about. And you know, we talked about this last time when we were talking with Frazier and Ref Snyder, how much fanfare they're getting as minor leaguers. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. But we already know so much about these guys and we've built them up and put them almost on a pedestal that we assume the Yankee fan, I think, assumes that they're going to be great major league ball players. And I think and that's, that's, that's a very scary assumption. Exactly. It's dangerous. It is. Because in baseball, more than any other sport, it usually doesn't work out. Yeah. If if uh, out of the top ten Yankee prospects, if two of them become everyday major league players, I think that is a success when you're dealing with prospects. It's that's probably true as far as the the number the numbers go. That's probably about accurate. The problem is is that we have a lot of top shelf guys now. Yankees fans think they're going to have a starting nine made up of all these guys. Exactly. And it's just unrealistic. It's impossible. Yeah. Right. That no, but that's but that's the thought. That's the thought. That's what's kind of getting fed to a lot of these people. You know, to everybody listening, you know, Rutherford is like the oh my god, this guy is Joe DiMaggio coming up it's from twenty years from single old. A. It's I know 20, they just drafted this, him. Clint Frazier's Mickey Mantle. I mean, he's they have all of these. Aaron Judge is the next Dave Winfield. Granted, we've never said that. We've never said anything. No, never we are always we never we never say hyperbole when it comes to prospects. We no. always we always beat them down. We don't put them up. No, ever. So, you know, I don't know where they're getting this rhetoric, but the, uh, the fact is, is that when you're getting a guy like Mike Trout, who literally is the best player in baseball, has been and will be for a while, the guy is amazing. He's a hometown guy. Like, this is, this is the ideal situation for him and for the Yankees to bring a guy like this in. He is Mickey Mantle. He, yeah. he is that type of player. Now, he's, he's unbelievable. So, um, it's, it's, you got to think about it. And, yeah, you know, you, ultimately you don't want – you think that you might have enough depth where you don't have to give up a Sanchez, and you start like, hey, let's start a conversation. Sanchez is off the table. And if they come to the table with you with that premise, then you better be talking and, and, and listen up because if you can have Gary Sanchez and Mike Trout on the same team, I don't really care what you have to give up at that point. Well, Mike Trout is the only player in baseball I would do it for, even if, right. including Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper – I don't think is half as good as Mike Trout. Look I, at their numbers. Mike Trout should be a five-time consecutive MVP winner if voters didn't get hung up on that whole valuable thing. If they just treated it best player award, which it is, he's been the best player in baseball every year for the last five years, and it's not even close. So I Should think, they just change it to the Alex Rodriguez award? <laughs> I think that the uh, Billy Epler, the GM for the Angels, would – Start with Gary Sanchez, as he should. And if uh, Brian Cashman says no, then he would say, okay, call me back when you want to include Gary Sanchez. That's how I think the trade talks would go. Um, but, but I would absolutely do it. Even if you trade um, all those guys I talked about, you'd still have a group of young players plus Mike Trout. It's not like you would have a bunch of old guys in Mike Trout like the Angels have. You'd still have Starlin Castro and Didi and Greg Bird and Aaron Judge plus Mike Trout, which should be good enough to win some ballgames. And people are saying, oh, one player doesn't make a difference. Uh, well, when it's Mike Trout, it does, because he was a 10-win player last year. So if you add his 10 wins, or if you want to subtract, say, Jacoby Ellsbury's or Brett Gardner's, you add seven wins, well, guess what? The Yankees are in the playoffs last year. Oh, and by the way, Billy Epler, Brian Cashman have a pretty good relationship. Billy yeah. Epler came from the Yankees organization. These guys are are perfect to do business together. They've worked together. You see how the 
the the major league front office, the baseball front office. These guys like to do business with people they like and people they know and people they trust. And Epler is a guy that Cashman can talk to and can have a, a good conversation with. So as far as like the groundwork for a negotiation, I mean, it's there. It's very, very much there. So you never know. I mean, when, when, when this, when these, when these, uh, when these talks start happening in, uh, in, uh, in December at the winter meetings, never know what happened. Would you include Gary Sanchez in a Mike Trout trade? Would I, if I was, uh, I probably, I, I would, I think I would, I would trade him if it was, uh, if it wasn't much else, if it wasn't much else after well, that. It would still you know, be another two to three guys. It, it, I don't think it, I don't think you can ask for m- many of the high tier guys at that point, though. You're going to have to start digging a little bit lower. You, if you're trading Mike Trout, though, I mean, he is he is the golden ticket, and he's 25 years old, and he's signed for a long time. I mean, it's it's if you're not going to get the moon for Mike Trout, you're not going to get it for anyone. So that's why I would not trade Trout if I were the Angels for anything less than a blockbuster truck size deal from any other team. I mean, you can look, you just look at the precedent of what happened at the trade deadline. And that's all Billy Upler really has to refer to the amount of the bounty that we got for Andrew Miller, even a guy who was yeah. controlled for two years. Right. And, you know, we get their, we get their number one prospect in Clint Frazier, who's a top, uh, a top prospect in baseball. And, and then, you know, a couple other guys with, you know, justice Sheffield and, and some, uh, some other bullpen help. I mean, that's that was a huge that was a huge deal. You're looking at that, and you're talking about the the best player in baseball, in who's controlled. You're right. I mean, there's there's no reason for them to give him up. But the problem is, is that are they going to get that? And their window is, you know, potentially closing. I guess with with maximizing his value, if that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Each year they wait, the le- his value goes down because he's getting older. So yeah. I mean, I, he's still going to be good for a while, but. The other team doesn't get him for those years. It's becoming a poker game with him, though. It's becoming a poker game because of that. Because there's a clock attached to it, and and there's a there's that clock is directly affecting the return. There's there's going to be a poker game with Billy Epler and anybody he's talking to. But so the flip side for the Angels is that he is only 25 years old, so you can envision the next good team for the Angels having Mike Trout on it. He'll be 32 years old, but he'll still be on the team. Yeah, well, the problem with that is that the Angels have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Well, yeah, because so, they just went the free agent route, the, the bad free agent route. Yeah, and uh, so they have, they don't really have much much uh, promise on the horizon for for young guys coming up through the system. They they're gonna have to make some moves or get lucky in a in a draft or something. Maybe maybe uh, the team trading for Mike Trout will also have to eat all of Albert Pujols' money. Ooh, now you're talking some. Some interesting things. You can plug in pool holes at the DH, Trout in center field. Maybe we'll have uh, dead money in the cap when the CBA comes back when they when they renegotiate. Debt some dead money like the NBA. We'll we'll start getting some of these guys moving around. Nice segue. What's the next mailbag question? Oh, man, now I gotta scroll down. Uh, Eric from East Brunswick, New Jersey, at E Michael eight 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 on Twitter. He said, "Is there a chance that the Rockies, White Sox, Pirates, Marlins?" Royals or Astros sign any of the free agents who rejected qualifying offers, thus moving the Yankees up in the draft order, assuming it's not affected by the new CBA. So one thing about the uh, the draft, the whole losing a draft pick, you, you don't lose a draft pick if you're in the top 10. So I, I think the White Sox might be in that top 10. But regardless, his question about um, 
the new CBA will not take effect this offseason. It, it won't take effect until next offseason. So any sort of rulings uh, we won't have to worry about for this year. Yeah, but the the thing about uh, you know answering his question directly, yeah, if they yeah. were to sign, if they were to sign somebody, if one of these teams were to sign, the way that it works as far as the draft pick order is the the team does lose their their first round draft pick, mm-hmm. and the team who signs the player actually gets one of those limbo picks. So it's it's a it's a new slot in between the first and second round. So uh, theoretically, no, 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 the team who lost that player, the team who lost the team who. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. The team who lost the player gets the draft pick. So theoretically, if one of these teams were to sign a player and lose a pick, then yes, the Yankees would move up. Right. Unless and it was a protected pick. So the I think we can throw out the Rockies, the White Sox, the Pirates, and the Marlins from signing any of these major free agents. The Royals and the Astros do plan on, on contending next year. But I think the Astros might be done. I mean, they signed Reddick already. They traded for Brian McCann. I think their roster is pretty much set going into next year. We already talked about them in depth. And the Royals, the Royals seem kind of lost. They do yeah, need starting sure they, they need starting pitching, but there's no starting pitching out there that would cost them a draft pick. I don't see them signing Encarnacion or um or Trumbo or any of those big guys. I, I just don't see it in the budget for them, and I don't see it on the as a roster fit either. They need starting pitching. So maybe they'll sign old man Rich Hill, but who knows. But that doesn't cost a draft pick. The Royals are interesting if you look at them because, I mean, we know what they did for two straight years, but they're almost at a team now where they still have a strong nucleus, but there's a lot of teams getting better around them, and uh, unless unless something happens, they're, they're almost tearing down. They, with, they got, with the, I mean, they're um, weird, and they don't they, spend a lot of money. They were injured last year, though. Yeah. And they had a World Series hangover. <clears throat> they're an interesting team, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the only, the only play for the Astros at this point would be, would be pitching. Uh, you know, if they were to to work something, and, and we know what the pitching free agent market looks like, but right, right now. there, none of those guys are are um, would cost draft picks, right? So that's, uh, but their offense at this point, I mean, that's I don't even. There's no more room for anybody, really. Yeah, their offense is great. So. Yeah. Um. So uh, what do we got next? You're gonna have to keep reading. I'm My reading. I know this is this is very clear that I'm reading all of these. Uh, this is from Andrew Schroeder. He gives us some uh, some kudos in the beginning. Thank you, Andros. Andrew. Um, he said, I wanted to hear your guys' take on Girardi's legacy. He's starting to default his way up the managerial wins list towards some big names with only one ring, yet with complacent and patient Steinbrenners at the helm. How long do you both, how long do you foresee Girardi managing the team? He's still relatively young, but I have a hard time believing that they will uh, let him approach the McCarthy numbers without more rings. It's an interesting uh, take, and I think we've talked about you know Girardi and, and where he uh, where he really needs to to step up. I think this is a big year for him. I think that if he shows that he can he can lead this team and and uh, and and they have a good year and they come into the bigs with this young team and project well and start you know ticking up, uh, I think they'll keep him around. But I think he's got to show something this year because I think the Yankees also want to make sure that this young nucleus has a uh, a guy that they're going to grow with and they're not going to they don't want a lot of transition in the managerial staff so let me tell you about his pythagorean win no i'm just messing oh, with here you. we go um i liked uh what andrew said about defaulting his way up the wins list um i think that we all get on girardi i don't think he's that bad to say that he's just falling ass backwards into wins but at the same time you're absolutely right he needs to prove something this year he's in the last year of his contract so if if they go out and suck 
and and finish below 500, I could see them moving on from Girardi. But if they're in September fighting for a playoff spot again with a roster that is certainly improving but not very good, then I think you have to keep him around. I, I think he's at least earned that. He's always going to piss us off as far as how he manages his bullpen. That's never going to change. And you know what I'm kind of slowly realizing? There's like three managers in baseball that manage a bullpen how I think it should be managed, and everyone else will piss me off. <laughs> you bring in anybody, and they're going to piss you off. That's just going to happen. I don't True. care how they manage it. It's True. Not I mean, the way Joe Madden managed the World Series, if I were yeah, a Cubs fan, the- I, would have, I would have been pulling my hair out. So, so you know, there's really no... It, Every manager will do stuff that I disagree with. Um, but There's just no clear other option either. There's exactly. no clear other option. We, you know, we've, we've talked about this in other episodes about how, you know, you look around, we, we've ranked our managers and who they are and, and what they do. But outside Joe Madden and Terry Francona, who are you going to get that's, that's better than Girardi? And tell me they're better and why they're better. Because you really can't do it. There's not very many guys that you could say, you know, maybe you're going into San Francisco and talking about Bochi. You're, you're talking about some of these guys, but that's, well, you're not, talking a, about that's taking, not a guy you want for a young team. You're saying taking managers away from another team. I mean, there's a million right. guys who are either managing in the minor leagues or bench coaches or hitting coaches that maybe could do a better job than Girardi. But I'm not you're even going to pretend to know who those guys are. And, and don't forget, don't forget the legacy. You know, Andrew talks about the legacy with Girardi. I mean, he was definitely talking about the Yankee legacy. But go, go back because he had a very young Marlins team that he won a World Series with that was not projected to win the World. F- and then no, he didn't win the World Series with them. Or he he took with the the Marlins team. He, no, he wasn't there in 03. Uh, he, that was um, I forget who that was. Anyway, it wasn't it wasn't Girardi. He was there in like oh five oh six. One manager of the year and then got fired. That was it. He won the manager of the year. I was thinking about that. He didn't win the World Series. My bad. But he won the manager of the year. He got a, uh, a young team to play very well. That's, that's what he projects as. He projects as a guy who uh, can, can work with young guys. So, that's, that's where he loves being. I joked the Pythagorean record, but I'm actually going to talk about it. Again, I'll say this again. Maybe people, we have some new listeners since the last time I talked about it. I think he can suck blood out of a stone meaning he can take an 80-win team and make it an 85-win team. I think he has some problems taking an 85-win team and making it a 90-win team, though. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's, uh, I'm not even going to get into your numbers. You're making my head spin now. But this is a guy that will does work well with young guys, and it's, uh, it's kind of it's, 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 his, it's his MO. I mean, that's, that's what he's known for. It's definitely not his bullpen management. Let's play a what-if game. Say Girardi manages for another three seasons but does not win another championship. What is his legacy as as a Yankee? Got to include the player in that. Uh, he did win championships as a player too, so I think that does add a little wrinkle to it. I guess, but you got to separate it. I think there's still a separation of, of player and manager because... Yeah, but in the there, year there 2030, when he comes back for old-timers day, and people are going to remember... He's a three-time or a four-time World Series champion. I think three-time World Series champion player plus an 09 manager World Series champion. People will always revere him for his, his play and for the role that he had, I think. The manager style, I think he'll go down as with one championship. Uh, I think people will talk about missed opportunities. How crazy is it that the Yankees have only had two managers in the last 25 years? I mean, that's or 20, 23 years or whatever it is since 96, um, 20 years. God, I'm dumb right now. 
Since 1996, they've had two managers when you think about all these other teams that filter through managers every two, three years. Yeah, I mean, you, you add 10 more years onto that, though, and that list gets pretty big. <laughs> I mean, they, they went through some, uh, some transitions. Well, that, that's when Steinbrenner was still uh, alive and kicking. Yeah, yeah, he was rolling with an iron fist at that point. Yeah. Um, all right, Andrew, thank you for the mailbag. What is next from Neil? Neil says, if you are a Yankees prospect that gets traded to the Mariners, is that a definitive sign that you suck? <laughs> and we read this because it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of funny. And obviously the Yankees just traded James Pazos for uh, you know, a couple, or a young, a young, another pitcher. I can't even remember his name. We're friends with him on Twitter and his mom right now. So go, go follow him. But the, the names are what? James Pazos, Jesus Montero, Ramon Flores, Jose Ramirez, Ben Gamble. That's where I, I get mad at Ben Gamble. Hector, Noe, Hector Noesi, DJ Mitchell, Danny Farquhar, and Abraham Almonte. Farquhar is a good baseball name. Ben Gamble doesn't suck. Yeah, you can't put Ben Gamble into there. That's the only we guy don't you can't put in there. know if he sucks yet, basically. Well, he might suck when he goes there. True. But the Rob, flow Robinson says no. Cano, Robinson Cano doesn't suck. I'm just saying he might suck when he goes there. Montero sucked when he went there. He's not going to be. Ben Gamble has an opportunity to actually play in the major leagues, I think, in, in Seattle. I think he's got a. It was a really good move for Ben Gamble because he was not going to play in New York, most likely. He was, he was pretty much blocked by um, guys above and below him and by Aaron Hicks, Jackie Bradley Jr. So I think it was a good opportunity for him, and he could uh, project to be one of the guys in there that will prove Neil wrong. Um, but yeah, it's not looking good. The track record, the history is not great. Can we just stop trading with the Mariners? It just, it never worked. When's the last time it worked out? From the failed Cliff Lee deal to the, uh, do we, I know the Yankees got the better of the Montero for Pineda deal, but Pineda is just becoming a headache Drives with each passing nuts. day. Um, so, I mean, can we just not, not trade with the Mariners anymore? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I've, I've grown to not like the Mariners. Seattle hates you. There's, let's just take them off the table. Let's go talk to Billy Epler. Have you ever been to Seattle? Yes. It's a nice city. I've never been. You shouldn't go. <laughs> you might get stoned. Tar, tar and feather. I'll get immediately confiscated as soon as I walk off the airplane. It would be interesting, though. I think we should. Absol- we'll, we'll, when you go there, we'll, we'll put an announcement on Twitter. I'll go back to that, that thread and reply to everybody who commented and give them your Try flight to get me information. <laughs> I think it would be interesting. Put a body camera on you. All right, let's let's move on to the next one. Oh yeah, I'm reading all of these. I forgot. So the next one is Nate P at NJP584 on Twitter. The Yankees have have had interest in Guardi, Guardi and Headley. Gardner probably worth more than Headley gone is tempting. I don't even know what I just read there. But what's your preference? Gardner. There's too many. There's too many uh, broken or like stopped words. Well, it was a tweet. Gardner is probably worth more, but Headley gone is tempting. What is your yes. preference? Both. Get rid of them both. I think that Headley is going to be for a bag of balls. I mean, that's going to be even way more of a dump. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't even be a dump. We'd be eating a lot of that contract. Well, yeah, let's I mean, let's I all be honest. I don't see a team trading It would be a player for, dump. You're acquiring an expensive, mediocre third baseman. I don't see who you would possibly trade for that. Solerte, maybe we can get a guy named Solerte back for him. That would be that would be interesting. You know what's funny? If the Yankees ate all of Headley's money, they still couldn't get Solerte back straight up for Headley. Oh. 
Uh, Guardy is, I think, the most probable of the two. If that's what we're asking here, I think Guardy is, uh, is very, very high on the list of being moved. I think you're going to move a, a guy like Guardy at the winter meetings. I could absolutely I, see a deal like that happening. Interesting wrinkle. So all the rumors about the Yankees signing a free agent, possibly even Cespedes, don't you think they need to trade Gardner before they sign a free agent? Because as soon as you sign that free agent, the value of trading an outfielder or trading a player drops because the team knows you have to do it because you need to clear space. So you have no more leverage. Say right. you say you signed Cespedes, which I think is unrealistic. But say the Yankees signed Cespedes. Then if they go to a team with Brett Gardner on the table, the team says, listen, we know you have to trade Brett Gardner to us. We want you to give him to us, or else what are you going to do? Not going to carry him on your roster. So I think Gardner, a Gardner deal needs to get done before they can think about signing a free agent. Well, that's why I think it's a winter meetings deal. I think this is a, a, a guy that everybody knows what Gardner is. He's got a, a, lot, of, a lot of tape. You know, Everybody knows who the, the guy is, too, and, and the type of player he is. So I think this is something that could get done at the winter meetings. I don't think any of these guys are going to sign before the winter meetings. They're going to try to hold it out because nobody wants to sign first. And they're they're gonna they're gonna draw it out. So I think Gardner is gonna get dealt sooner than later, and and then it will be opened up. Um, you know the interesting thing about Headley, like then you need a third baseman. There's a there, you know I don't know if we're if they're even thinking about this year slotting guys around or moving guys around. Um, you know we've talked about Castro possibly moving over to third at some point, but you know Encarnacion has played third in the past. That's oh, another God. guy if they're talking play. about him. He can't even so, play first base. Never mind third base. There's 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 some interesting things out there with implications of of signing free agents, um, but I think Gardner does get dealt. Headley is just more of a pipe dream, in all honesty. Turner is still out there as a third baseman. He's an interesting player. I mean, he's a he's a solid guy. That's another one of those Reddit guys to me. The only problem is he's older. He he's, is older, but he, I don't know how old is he. Thir- Mid thirties. I think he's like thirty four. He's more of a guy that you want on your team, though. I mean, he's, he's I don't know. He's a oh, I mean, he's a gritty dude. I just think though he's um, one of those players. He's uh, oh, he's only thirty-one. Um, he's one of those players that I have a bad feeling once he signs a deal with another team, he's going to drop off. He's kind of like a lifeblood of that Dodgers team. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I don't think Clint Frazier's rooting for that though because of the the red hair. That's that'd be a lot of ginger. A lot of too much, maybe. <laughs> All right, maybe too much. We have one more question before we get out of here and before I fall asleep, go drink some more coffee. <clears throat> okay, last one. We're, the, the Hall of Fame ballot is, is out, so this is the obvious question. Who would you vote for? And this is from Jack at JTFS underscore. You're, you're ending your Twitter name with an underscore. That's even worse than putting it in the middle. Jack, I really think you should change that. It's, it's not a good look. Jack's a Red Sox fan too. Avid listener of our podcast. He's a Red Sox fan. He definitely needs to change that underscore. It's terrible. Um, we talked about last year who we would vote for. Uh, some of the guys that are close but still have not gotten in. Jeff Bagwell, he um, is on his seventh year, and he's at 71%, so I think he only needs a few more percent. What is the cutoff? Is oh, 70, I thought you ask me that. 75? Oh, to stay on the ballot? Or to to make it. To be a Hall of Famer? Is it 75 or 80? I thought it was in the 80s. Okay. Uh, Tim Raines at 69%. He's on his 10th year. Trevor Hoffman, 67% second year. I think he Trevor Hoffman gets in this year. 
Uh, Mike Messina, he's only at 43%. He's in his fourth year. I don't see Messina getting in anytime soon. Um, other guys who are like steroid guys and barely cracked 50%, Bonds, Clemens, Kurt Schilling. And then we got some fun first-timers. Pudge Rodriguez, who I think will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Manny Ramirez, who I think will be lumped in with the Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens of the world. Vlad Guerrero is interesting because his numbers are are very, very good. If he played in the 80s, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no problem. I mean, his numbers, 400 home runs, that does not look as good, though, when you compare them with all the steroid guys. But he also was a very unique player, and he kind of did things differently. So yeah. I'll be interested to see how much Vlad gets. I don't see him getting in on his first ballot, but I, I definitely see him getting in soon after. And um, Posada's on the ballot. I, I don't think he's going to come close. And then I thought you'd appreciate that Javier Vasquez is on the ballot. Javi Vasquez. Let's trade for him again. Maybe we get some, some, some depth. I was looking. By the way, it is 75%. Uh, I was looking up. Um, what did you say about Pudge Rodriguez? Did you lump him in with the Manny Ramirez? Because no, there's, I said there's Manny. definitely steroid implications there, too. Oh, I know there are, but I feel like people yeah. ignore them with Pudge Rodriguez. So Manny's going to be Rodriguez... lumped, in, lumped in with Barry Bonds and Clemens, but yes. Pudge, I think, gets in first ballot. You think Pudge is more on the Piazza side of the steroid conversation? Yes, where it's, it's speculation. Um, speculated, but we're kind of looking the other way because he was a really, really good and fun player. Right. And unlike Piazza, where Piazza was all offense, Pudge was the best defensive catcher and also a top three offensive catcher of his era. Yes. Yes. And uh, Gary Sanchez like. Is that fair? Gary Sanchez like. Yeah. Cannon. <laughs> Cannon. Rocket arm. And um, mysteriously, when he was in Texas in that hot Texas heat, the 100 degree summer Texas heat weighed about 250 pounds. And then. Moves out of Texas and drops down to about 165. I don't know how that happened. Hey, a lot of, lot of, lot of diet. A lot is of he protein. the most forgettable Yankee of all time? Like the f- most forget. No. If he's a Hall of Fame player, he will be the most forgettable Hall of Fame player who played for the Yankees of all time. I don't know I don't who. Know. What I, I, I don't to know who to the... compare him with, but I know that's a fact. Oh, okay. You and your facts. I don't think anybody's trusting your facts right now. The the guys who are getting who are you getting who are you voting in? I am voting in Hoffman. I'm voting in I think Clemens and Bonds need to be in. I would vote Pudge and I would vote Manny and Vlad. Okay. You're on the steroid guy. You're voting all the steroid guys in. That's because we, we know that's your position. Yeah, but are, I mean Are you putting that on the plaque? Steroid era. Um I think that no, I'm not putting on their individual plaques. No, I don't really care. Steroids to me no longer bothers me. I just know who the best players of the last 20 years were, and those are Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Padre Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez. Yeah. Um, I mean, Manny not, Ramirez was I, the, the most he's, the, he's probably the most feared right-handed hitter of all time. When he's, Manny he's Ramirez, up there. When Manny Ramirez came to the plate against the Yankees, I shit my pants every time. <laughs> No, it's true. The guy would strike fear into everybody, especially when he was coming up in big situations. You did not want to see Manny Ramirez. He would crush the ball. I mean, he was definitely one of the best, all-time best, right-handed hitters. I mean, the guy's up there with, with, with the greatest all-time right-handed hitters, and there's no doubt. It's the steroid thing, and, and they're not getting in. It's just not going to happen. And never unlike get the guys like, um, like Bonds, who never failed the drug test, Manny actually failed drug tests and got suspended. Right. Not, I mean, I think that makes a difference for some people. 
I guess. It's there's some it's it's not going to make a difference in the grand scheme, but um I think Vlad you you were talking about Vlad Guerrero is such an, an interesting dude. I mean, this is a guy that yes, he puts up he had big numbers and like you said you you compare the numbers and and you start you know, looking at other players in that range, it doesn't really tell the full story of Vlad Guerrero. You really had to, to use the eyeball test with him and watch him play and see what he did. Because, I mean, this is the guy that's, that's like your uncle was talking about Nick Johnson. <laughs> and I can't believe I just made a Nick Johnson, Vlad Guerrero comparison, but, you know, hitting balls around your eyes to the, to the, uh, to the wall uh, on a line. I mean, this is exactly what he did all the time. I mean, he would golf balls up. I, I'll never forget the one, uh, that clip where he, where he crushed the ball that was uh, that bounced, yeah. you know. I mean, like this is a guy that that would hit everything. I mean, what a pure hitter he was. The strike zone did not matter to Vlad Guerrero. If he saw it, he hit it, and uh, he was one of the best best pure hitters I've ever seen. So Vlad you really the Impaler, to, you really had to put the eyeball test on him and and, and watch him play. So problem do, with him though is that he played in Montreal, forgettable, yeah. forgettable, and then he kind. I mean, he was great with the Angels, but they never won with him. They won the World Series before he got there. I don't even know if they ever got past a round of the playoffs with him. Yeah, so uh, that's that's I guess part of his legacy is that he's never really been on a, a you know a, a solid well, team or a I solid think, run. I mean, you can't put winning and losing on a right fielder, but I think that lack of exposure in that sense, where he never played in a World Series, where he can get all that fame. I think might have something to do with I it. I think Vlad Guerrero did get that fame, though, just because of the way he was, he was so unique. Yeah. yeah, so I think that the fact that he was unique kind of you know overshadowed that he didn't uh, play on great teams. But And you're right, with the Montreal, I mean, that that was a... He was on some good teams in Montreal, but nobody remembers that. A lot of people, especially because probably their best year was the strike year. It was uh, Did the, he play all the way back then? I th- I'm pretty sure he was on that team. Yeah, he's he was around. I'm pretty sure he was on that team. I, I don't know. My mem- you know, no, everybody knows my memory is shit. But he was a rookie in '96. Oh, there you go. Actually, '97 he was a rookie. Wrong. <laughs> I'm just letting <laughs> that hang out there. <laughs> um, how much do you think? How much do you think Posada will get? Do you think he'll even be able to stay on the ballot? Oh man. Um. Probably not. Yeah, he may stay on. I don't know how. I don't, maybe I don't know. I, it's a tough one. I think he'll be borderline staying on the ballot. He's yeah. not. He's not going to even get close to being in the Hall of Fame. But I, I think uh, his, seeing his name around for a while is where, <laughs> what you need to look for. Yeah, that's a that's a possibility. But I think it'd even be close for that. Um, Tim Raines. I know a lot of people who are a little bit older than us always bitch about Tim Raines not getting the love for the Hall of Fame. I think he will get in. I'd vote Tim Raines in. He's creeping up slowly but surely. He's been on the ballot for 10 years. I, I just hate baseball writers sometimes. It's like, we got to make a point and keep him on a ballot for a decade before we vote him into the Hall of Fame. But that's it's just, just To me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense when you when you see a guy in their 10th time. Like, why is he now? I mean, compared to other guys, I guess. But Because it's, it's, compa- it's comparing other guys. And also, it's... Um, as the generations of voters change, and now, if, if you're... 27 year old baseball writer voting for the hall of fame and you're voting for tim raines you're basically just voting on stories that you read about him and his baseball reference page whereas if you're 55 years old you watched him play yeah so that even lent, doesn't that lend more to the fact that he shouldn't be on because the guys that actually did watch him on uh, play didn't vote him in so i don't know it's you're right it's such a flawed system yeah and Kate, Kate Upton is not happy with the baseball writers either. <laughs> not happy. There's uh, some 
possible rumors that that was Verlander tweeting from Upton's account. Oh, controversy. Yeah. That was good, though. Not going to lie. That that kicked Kate Upton up in my book. It was pretty fun. That, that was a pretty gold tweet. Yeah. Uh, the one, it was pretty good. <laughs> um, all right. It'd be even more funny, though, if, if it came out that Verlander actually did say that about himself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be messed up, actually. Yeah. Um, all right. Any last words before we get out of here? I hope people didn't think this episode was too crappy, considering I was mentally half gone. I thought we delivered. I thought you did a good job. Yes. No, it was uh, go get some go get some uh, more coffee and uh, and continue to be a zombie for the rest of the day. Good luck. Want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Next time we talk, we'll be post Thanksgiving. Um, if you want to submit mailbags at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast at Yankees podcast at Andrew underscore Rotondi at Scott underscore Reinen. Um, you can call the voicemail line at what's that number? 646-480-0342. If you add an underscore to my name again, you might not make it. All right. All right. This is Diesel Fighting Words. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.